want to welcome you to our second day of our look through Matthew chapter 26. We begin today to look at Judas and the betrayal that happened. Remember yesterday we talked about this extravagant expression of worship that Mary had. And the scripture tells us that there were some disciples that were upset by this. Well, some of the other gospels tell us specifically it was Judas who was upset by this because he was stealing money from them. He was a thief. And so he said this about we should give the money to the poor, but really he wanted the money for himself. Sometimes people say very spiritual things, but they have very selfish motivations for saying it. And that certainly was true with Judas. He couldn't understand genuine worship. And so he reacted with rejection. This often happens. When you can't understand genuine worship and you see it, you have a choice. I'm either going to embrace that or I'm going to reject that. I can't stand on the fence anymore because I'm seeing what it really is. And Judas chose to reject it. In verse 14, then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and he asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And we don't know why exactly Judas betrayed Jesus. There are a lot of theories as to why he betrayed Jesus, that it could have been that he was just greedy and he wanted the money. It could have been that he was trying to force Jesus' hand somehow and he thought if he did this, Jesus would proclaim himself to be the king. Whatever was happening, we know that he was confused. And we know very clearly from Scripture that he was confused by Satan. The Bible tells us that Satan had entered into him from the very beginning. And so he was allowing Satan's voice to have free reign in his life. He was listening to Satan and not God, even though God in human flesh was right there with him. And so, we'll listen to what happens beginning in verse 17. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man will go just as is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. Now, as I said a moment ago, the motivations of Judas we may never know, but the actions of Judas we can clearly see. And we do know what he was not motivated by. He was not motivated by love. Because he wasn't motivated by love, he ends up betraying Jesus. He wasn't motivated by love for God. He wasn't motivated by love for others. And because of that, his life becomes a ruin. Now, Jesus is able to see this moment of betrayal that's coming, but that's not all that he sees this night. If you and I, if we face a betrayal, that's all that we can see is that person that's betrayed me. We can't see past it or beyond it or around it, but Jesus sees the whole significance of what's happening as he's heading towards the cross. In the midst of, of this betrayal, now he institutes this amazing moment of worship. Verses 26 to 30. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, 
which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, remember, Jesus and his disciples are sharing the Passover celebration. This Passover celebration was a celebration commanded as Jewish men, as, a, as Jews, they would gather every year to celebrate the Passover, and they would not have ever missed it. Every one of his disciples would have had strong memories of the Passover since they were children growing up. When the Passover approached, we just read earlier, they said, where are we going to celebrate it? Not are we going to celebrate it, but where are we going to celebrate it? And in the midst of that Passover celebration, Jesus institutes a new celebration, the celebration of the Lord's Supper. In that Passover celebration, there was a lot of bread eaten and there were a lot of cups of wine that were drunk, or at least drinking out of one cup several times. The bread that was eaten was a symbol, a a sign of the bread that they had eaten, the unleavened bread coming out of Egypt, being set free by God, and the cups that were drunk. There were actually four cups that were drunk during the Passover, and each of these reminded them of a promise that God had given to them. They were all about the promises. And what Jesus does is he says, I want to take what you have seen as certain symbols for so many years, for thousands of years now, and I want you to show you what these symbols have pointed to. I want to give new significance, new meaning to these symbols, to the bread, to the wine, to the cup. Jesus says, first, look at this bread. It's my body given for you. And then look at this cup. It is the covenant, the promise, the cups in the Passover celebration signified the promises of God. This is the promise of my blood that's poured out for you. That's the promise that Jesus gives you. So for just a moment, in your mind, celebrate that promise. Celebrate who Jesus is. Because the Lord's Supper is a supper of celebration. It's not a supper of sadness. It's a supper of celebration. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate the fact that the body of our Lord was given for us crucifixion, this cruelly devised torture for the body that combined elements of exhaustion and exposure and humiliation and pain and suffocation to bring about this slow death. Jesus went through that for you. Jesus gave himself for you. Now, why his body? Why did he have to give his body? Why so physical a death for our spiritual freedom? Jesus met you at the point of your need. He met me at the point of my need. Sin occurs right here in our bodies. So he gave his body, a perfect body for us to redeem us, to set us free, to forgive us of our sins. The body of our Lord given for us. And then the blood of our Lord poured out for us. The new covenant in my blood. The blood of Jesus. As you just take a quick look through the New Testament, you find out that the blood of Jesus is our justification. It's our redemption in the book of Ephesians. It's how we're brought near in the book of Ephesians. It's our peace in the book of Colossians. It's our forgiveness in the book of Hebrews. It's our propitiation in the book of Romans. And Jesus here says, my blood is your promise. It's your promise. Jesus's blood is God's sealed promise of all that can take place in our lives, of all that God offers to us. That is the celebration. The celebration is not his death. The celebration is what his death brings into your life and into my life and into millions, billions of lives. The celebration is what's going to change, what's going to happen in all of eternity because of what he did. That's why we look forward as we celebrate to what it's going to mean for all of eternity. So right now, as we pray, let's take a minute to celebrate the body and the blood of the Lord. Jesus, we celebrate 
right now what you did for us. We celebrate the fact that you gave yourself, your body for us. That your body was given, that you went through suffering because of your love for us. And we see, we sense your love in that. But we also know that that love had a motivation, a reason, a power. That in that love, there is the power of forgiveness. So thank you for your forgiveness. And Jesus, we celebrate your blood. The fact that you allowed your blood to be spilled so that we could enjoy the promise of eternal life. Your life was poured out so that you could pour your life into us. Thank you. Thank you for the life that we find in you. Abundant life now and eternal life as we look forward to heaven. Thank you for the promise of life in you, Jesus. We celebrate you in your name. Amen.